It's time for the No Shot Clock Podcast. We're talking the biggest stories in Illinois high school basketball. Hey, now, here are your hosts, Michael O'Brien of the Chicago Sun-Times and Joe Hendrickson of the City Suburban Boost Report. Welcome to episode 120. We are near the end of the season. It's going to be a shorter podcast than usual, maybe a little hectic. I've been dealing with some breaking news and the Mount Carmel stuff you probably saw, but uh, we are going to get through some listener questions, a nice mailbag from everybody, then do our two takes, and then a quick look at the next few days, kind of setting things up, I guess, for the Chipotle Classic, which will round out the non-CPS regular season. How's your uh, Thursday going, Joe? Good. Gets, uh, like you said, I mean, as I get closer, or we get into March, and you think it's March, and then you come to the realization that <laughs> we don't have another state tournament. It sucks. State Bumped. tournament? We got like 10 days. <laughs> no, I know, days. but like, yeah. you, you, you kind of got cheated last year, and you're really getting cheated this year. Like, at least we got through, like, sectional semis last year and had a chance to see some big games and and close out a season. That was just this instant, you know, rip the band-aid off thing. You know what I mean? This has yeah. just been this kind of... Slow torture? Uh, yeah. I don't know. It's... Yeah, it's it's crazy. I still show up... Sad. Uh, the fact uh, that we're not going to have two... Or we're going to have two straight years with just no historical value... You know what I mean? With yeah. no state tournament, no state championships, no, it's, it's, it's just kind of, I don't know I, I, why I just thought about it this week more so than other weeks is I think simply because a little bit of the weather changing and well, the calendar turning to March. Yeah. It feels like playoff time. Like when I walk right. outside, it seems like I should be going yes. to a regional game and yeah, it's, it's very strange. Uh, I actually thought about it. It was last week when it dawned on me that. 50 years from now, you know, when I'm long dead, assuming there is a program at the state finals or, you know, somebody's looking it up online, these two years are going to look insane, you know, on that list of champions. Yeah, I don't think it'll take, I don't think it'll take 50 years even. Yeah, maybe 20 years. I mean, it's going to look nuts. We're going to have lived through the craziest time on that entire list, you know, of yeah, this, things. This dumb country forgets everything quick, so. That's, that's <laughs> Sorry. All right. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, yeah, it's, uh, it's unfortunate. All right. Let's get to these questions. The first one of, I think, two questions on Glenbard West, who are a hot topic of conversation. First up is from Bobby Hessling. He says, Glenbard West is just killing killing it it's blowout after blowout for them in your opinion how good is this hilltopper team in my opinion one of the best teams in the past decade out of dupage county joe where does this team rank in dupage county (laughs) well i mean in dupage county this year it's it is i mean it's it is head and shoulders above uh the rest of the field no i think you know i talked a little bit about this and i think it was my three-pointer from a week ago where this the one team I think there's a couple teams. I'll throw Hillcrest in there as well. That you really wish you got a shot and a chance of seeing them play an upper echelon team, you know, outside of their league. And because of COVID, because of the league restrictions, because of the scheduling issues that are not issues, the, the uh, restrictions that they just haven't been able to do that. I, you know, they're a year away from, I think, contending for, I, 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 it's not out of the question that Glenbard West can contend for a state trophy next year. Uh, they'll be a, well, not out of the question. They'll be a favorite to get to Peoria. Uh, could they have gotten there this year with the route they have this year? I, I think they could have this year as well. So they've got size. They've got the stars and a, a legitimate star in Braden Huff. They got, you know, Cade Pierce, they've got, uh, shooters. Yeah, they're crushing people. And with the road they would have this year, Mike, I mean, they'd have been a clear number one seed in their sectional uh, with a shot of getting to Peoria. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they would have been the favorite. I mean, hardcore, I think. Yeah. Out there, right? But they're going to be much better. I mean, the, the development and progress, 
between this year and next year in comparison to what we've had the last year is going to be like night. I mean, these kids lost a year of basketball, more or less. And I'm seeing it in the lack of progress in players, the lack of, the lack of development. Just historically speaking, Mike, comparing how players develop and improve and shine from month to month, you can see the growth. It ain't happening, man. I mean, there's some. I mean, I, I, this, this kid's better than he was. This kid. But overall, I'm just not seeing it. And I blame it on that lack of constant activity uh, of basketball that's just been disrupted by, by, you know, a world pandemic. Yeah, it's been really clear to me going around. It especially became more clear when the public league started. The difference between the high-level kids who are getting high-level attention and the kids who have access to facilities and better training and the ones who don't. Um, frankly, you can just see it in their bodies at this point. It's been pretty striking over the first uh, couple of weeks that CPS has been back. Right. And, and even the ones who do have the access, though, they're still not having those well, yeah, they have, 20, they, exactly, 20 they have 30 advantage. games they've yeah. played yeah. with their team in June in high school. Yeah. Really organized and structured games, not the... I call it ragtag stuff. Yeah, it's just a different type of basketball they've been playing over the past 11, 12 months. Yeah. I mean, Max Christie, Braden Huff, a handful of others definitely got better. You know, mm-hmm. but other than that, not only did they not get better, but I think some slid backwards physically, which yeah. is tough uh, to see. Next up, uh, there's another Glenbird West question, but I'm extremely unorganized you know i'm usually not like super organized but i've got things ready to go not today so we'll get that one when it pops up in my email but the next question is from uh, michael doherty he says in your opinion what is the biggest illinois high school rivalry uh he gives some options notre dame versus pats on the northwest side brother rice versus marist on the southwest side or another another rivalry also who has the best student section Joe, what's your uh, definitive take on Well, uh, the, the student section, I think it's we've seen a transformation from 20 years ago, 15 years ago, from Brother Ice to present-day Notre Dame. Uh, I'm I, pretty confident in saying that in, in terms of overall. Um, I mean, I'd say right now Notre Dame-St. Pat's is kind of the – the most heated, you know, Evanston New Trier this weekend's a good one that wasn't, you know, uh, front and center in that in that question. Uh, you know, Marison Brother Rice is always going to be there. It's just taking a dip. You know, a, a, a sad one out out my way is the East Aurora West Aurora rivalry, which yeah. used to be just incredible, uh, and that's doesn't really mean a whole lot anymore, uh, which is really really sad and. The western suburbs, but I don't know. I probably go Pat's Notre Dame right now. Yeah, I think um, right now is an interesting time for this question because it's up for grabs. It had been, I think, for running on five years now or more, Simeon versus Morgan Park, mm-hmm. and I, I don't think that was questioned. Yes, because of right. the size of stuff, you're not going to have the fans. But when we did have the fans at Chicago State, oh my goodness, <laughs> you know that thing was. But they bring it on the court, or they brought it on the court to a level much, much higher than these other schools do, where it's kind of almost more about the fans, I think, in a lot of ways. I mean, never forget that Derrick Rose was literally jumped on the way to his team bus outside of Morgan Park. I mean, you know, back in 2005 or whatever, you know, by Morgan Park people. So that rivalry has been insane. Um, but it's gone, I think. I mean, not gone, but it's not going. Yeah, it's, it's, it's gone. I mean, I think the, the, the schools are still rivals, but yes, the, the basketball part of it is, yes, definitely gone. So I think it's up for grabs now to see kind of who, who does this. ND Pats and Brother Rice Marist in the gym on that day is awesome. I just don't know if overall it, I mean, Lane and Taft was pretty impressive when I saw it last year. And those are big schools, you know, so they can get a lot of kids out. You know, up north, there's some better ones than people realize. You know, the, the Waukegan, North Chicago, uh, has been great when I've been up there a few times. 
so yeah, I, I think I think we've we've got it up for grabs. I mean, I will say, and I think I've said before on, on the podcast that for the Sun Times, which is a very city based you know newspaper and readership, the Notre Dame Pats football game is usually my biggest um, like gamer of the season. Uh, so for whatever that's worth, there's an awful lot of interest in that. Um, I think like St. Rita Mount Carmel was a big football one, but that's kind of fallen off. Everyone there was more interested in the non-football activities last time I was there. So I don't know, but we'll see how that goes. We, you know, public league ones, I think maybe the hottest right now has been North Lawndale Farragut. They can't even finish a game. So um, <laughs> I think that's pretty notable <laughs> when you can't even get through a game. There's so much uh, going on. No, I, I don't know if that's a prerequisite of an intense rivalry, <laughs> yeah. but oh, it's, we'll it's, throw it in there. <laughs> quite intense, yeah. <laughs> and uh, best student section, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I don't have super strong feelings right now. You thought that the uh, Notre Dame I was taking it? I thought Notre Dame, yeah. I've seen them not show yeah. up sometimes, though. I don't think they're super consistent. They're there for the big games. But I'll be honest. Yeah, they're, it's, they're, they're, I mean. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I might tend towards Brother Rice still, I think. But yeah, I mean, it's it's they're yeah, it's terrific, but it's just um, I just think the last couple of years they've just kind of gone to another level with with those, well, particularly those bigger games. But the, when they were at, had when Curie was in there last February yeah. or early March, or whatever. That was crazy. St. Pat's, obviously, yes, but I, I, I no, the student. That's another story. It's just. <laughs> the lack of student sections around the Chicago area, you know, yeah. um, you know, especially in some of these suburban towns, it's just sometimes I go to games and I just wonder, God, where, where are they? They're There's home watching 14, Netflix. Four, 14 kids here. Yeah. They're watching Netflix playing Fortnite. We didn't have those options, Joe. Um, next up, Ronnie cams. Glenbard West has been rolling. Ronnie says, huge team with ridiculous talent all over the floor. They're undoubtedly one of the eight best teams in the state. Why aren't they in the Chipotle Classic? Joe? Uh, cause they aren't allowed to be. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, there were, you know, again, we've touched a little bit on the scheduling of that thing. There were five, six teams that were locked in, going to be in that thing, no matter what. And then there was a handful, half a dozen that were in vying kind of for the last one, two spots. And they were one of the ones, whether it be them, Rolling Meadows, Hillcrest. And you start going down the line and Hillcrest can't play out of their league. Glenbard West can't play out of their league. Rolling Meadows has a conference championship game that night. Uh, you know, likely if they finish out their division. So there were just some teams that were eliminated and a couple of teams were added and that's where Glenbard West fell into that. They, they would had a, I mean, they were under consideration. They were talked about and discussed and it just, it was easy decision to make because they couldn't play in it. Next up, Casey Taylor. He wants to know our thoughts on Marion Catholic this year and the East Suburban Catholic Conference. I have not seen Marion Catholic this year. I have not even seen them on a stream. You know, they did have the nice upset of St. Pat's at home uh, last week end, I guess. Yeah, I caught a half of a game on a stream, not live. Uh, you know, Jeremiah Jones, a junior, yeah. kind of had a somewhat of a breakout year. I, I think the, and this is not taking anything away from Mike Taylor or Marion Catholic, it's just what it is. They've had such a great run. From the Tyler Eulis sophomore season, which would have been, oh gosh, Mike, when was Eulis in 2000? <laughs> yeah, no idea. Anyway, yeah. uh, uh, we'll, we'll just say a decade, yeah. about a decade of, of a really, from that year of Tyler Eulis' sophomore year till last year, just a phenomenal run of being a perennial top 25 team. And often in, in Mike, you're top 10 a lot of times, you know, so. Uh, that's just not what this team is this year. It's a considerable drop. Uh, but you know, Jeremiah Jones is a junior, so he'll be back and Mike Taylor does a great job. So it's just, it was bound to take a dip at some point, And this is just that time where the program has taken a dip. Boy. And if you're going to take a dip, you couldn't have planned better 10 years out to make sure it was this season. 
Uh, I think the East Suburban Catholic overall kind of is in the same spot Marion is. You know, Notre Dame and St. Pat's have been in the rankings. Bennett is 7-2 and two and, you know, pulling out games as usual. But then after that, you know, Marion and Viator a little bit down. Marist is much better than their record. They're 2-6 and six, but have played teams pretty well. Carmel's 4-8. and eight. You know, they lost Kamari Wilson, transferred away to North Chicago. So, yeah, it, it's a bit of a dip year for the East Suburban, I, I think, overall. Oh yeah, for sure. That, that's been such a, you know, they've been top heavy, yes, but there's been more depth too. St. Vider had those good teams. So yeah, it's, it's a significant difference between that league and, and what it's been over the recent years. Yeah, I think they are a little better than their records though. You know, they haven't been able to go out and play a ton of other teams, a lot of them. You know, so like Maris is two and six, but they're playing everybody close. They've only, but they've only played one non-league team. You know, so their losses are to whatever, um, good stuff. But, uh, Casey Taylor also wanted to know, this is going to be, we had another question too. Uh, I think it's from Phil Ralston, the uh, Glenbrook South coach, um, wants to know why teams that want a shot clock hold the ball for one minute in a possession. And, you know, Phil Ralston actually asked me this after the Glenbrook South Evanston game, because Mike Ellis has been such a proponent of the shot clock and, you know, a lot of coaches came out publicly and then I think a lot of people are seeing these coaches that came out publicly kind of play different styles than you would think. And so that's the overall question, Joe. I don't know. I don't think one has anything to do with the other. Just because you play by the, what the rules are. If there's not a shot clock, you do what you want to do. Yeah. And, and I mean, the overtime so, stuff, Who I mean, who cares? I mean, why wouldn't you just hold the ball for three minutes of overtime? I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, ugh, that thing last night. Yeah, I, I, ugh. Watching that main yeah, South Evanston game last night with those three overtimes. I mean, it's just ridiculous. These four minute overtimes, they just wait until the end. You know, it's. I should come up with the Michael Bryan biggest pet peeves that or the biggest, yes. biggest passions. Oh, so stupid. I mean, big men on, on all state, all area teams. Oh, yeah. Gotta get some rebounds. <laughs> and the four minute overtime. Is hell. Which I, yeah. I agree with, but I'm not quite as passionate about it. Collins and Clemens. I don't, I don't, I don't like it either. I think it's, I, I know you want like, one like sudden death, but I. Yeah, I'd go for a minute sudden death. Um, somebody on Twitter I suggested think... today we just played at eight, eight, at eight points. The first person to get eight points wins. At least three. Minutes? I, I, I just, I, I, no, I don't mean at least. I mean at least cut it to three. I, I mean, that's what it used to be. Yeah. It was three years. Yeah. When I Why was, they need yeah. to go to four. What's worse? What's worse is I hate the college basketball five minute overtime. That's awful. Yeah. It's all, it, it, it sucks the energy out of the gym when that four minutes goes up. If you've just had these tense plays. Yeah. No, yeah, I agree. I, I go two minutes. I like two. I don't want a minute. Two minutes is fine. It gives everybody about a couple of possessions. They just hold it. Until whatever you do, they're just gonna make. Yeah, wait till that shot clock comes in. It's coming. <laughs> oh boy, I've had I've had many clock issues this season. Speaking of, it's been rough, uh, to say the least. But yeah, I don't I don't know. It's uh, it is what it is. Okay, next one is from I don't know this person's name, but um, wants to know if this season represents the most offensive talent ever. In the mid-suburban league east. What do you think, Joe? Cam Craft, Ethan Roberts. Yes. The Christie brothers. Cam Craft, Ethan Roberts. Offensive talent. From, yeah. I I mean, it's hard to argue. Yeah. Mid-suburban league Johnny Johnny Rival days. Who else was in that league at that time? They they had a good little run, but no. I mean, when it starts with a McDonald's All-American... Uh, that's a, that's a pretty big, and you got to, well, I mean, Hodges isn't playing, but you got another big 10 recruit. You got, what? yeah, Ro- Roberts and, uh, Cam Craft, Division One kids. So, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's probably, I guess that probably hasn't been talked about quite enough. I know we've been talking a lot of mid-suburban league, but I guess in a full season, you know what? In a real season, Mike, of all the kind of goofy research garbage I do, I probably would have had that. Best mid-suburban league ever talent. Well, definitely. And you know, he's asking about the East 
specifically, I think that's got to be a slam dunk because the West is Hoffman and Conant and Schomburg and Fremd, you know, and Barrington and Palatine. So the Mid-Suburban East is just this group. Meadows, Rolling Meadows, Hersey, Buffalo Grove, Prospect, Wheeling, and Elk Grove. I mean, that's a no-brainer, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's got to be. Because the West, I mean, frankly, has been... Yeah, I mean, some of those Hoffman, you know, Conant games. You know, Hoffman-Schomburg. I mean, Schomburg won a state title, for goodness sakes. So, yeah, I think the West might have had higher moments. But yeah, the East for sure. I like it. We got mid-suburban league East uh, fans here, Joe. That's that's exciting stuff. All right, I'm trying to quickly look here now. I got some ones from Twitter that I need to uh, grab here. Oh, I had a uh, Dan McGrath from Leo. You know, old uh, previous sports editor over at the Tribune. He's been all over the place. Uh, was talking with some guys last night and texted me and wanted to know what we thought about uh, Bryce Hopkins at Fenwick. If he's the best Catholic league player since Corey Maggette. These are the I type mean, of I, questions I, people like. I know, and it takes research, and I you know. never have time. Yeah, I was um, racking my brains trying, like, looking at the teams. Bobby Frazier, Andre Brown. Uh, and, I mean, do you... Jerome, Jerome Randall. I mean, if you're going strictly high school ranking, I mean, I guess probably was a McDonald's All-American. Uh, I mean, that, in recent years, I don't, there's not one that jumps out at me. I was thinking about Nate Minoy. Yeah. He's not the, um, you clearly he wasn't the college prospect, but as far as four Production years. Production. Yeah. And state titles. Massive winning and. Yeah. Yeah. That was. But the, it's a, it's, it's a, he's definitely the highest ranked prospect. Since Corey Maggette. Yeah. And they said best player. And I mean, straight up player. Best player. Yeah. I I probably would go with Bryce, but I... Tracy just... Abrams. Charles Matthews. That was the one. That's the most recent. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a tough... That's tough. Yeah. I Especially... Think... Here's another reason why it's tough. It's because... We didn't get this full yeah. yeah, real season to see the whole senior resume of Bryce Hopkins. Yeah. So. I mean, I'm not saying I, this. I don't. Yeah. We should mention Marquise Kennedy. I don't Marquise have a clear Kennedy, cut answer. Right. Marquise Kennedy was awesome that senior yeah. year. Um, I don't think he's. But, you know, they, I think he should be in the discussion, especially recent guys. Um, that we, you know, Mike Smith, his senior year at Fenwick was Phenomenal senior year. Yeah, that was massive. That's another kind of recent one. Big time, yeah. Um, for sure. But St. Joe's, too. I, I always forget they're in the Catholic League. Uh, when do they join, though? Yeah, were they there for McCamey and Turner? I don't think so. No. But for Rukosevich and... Yeah, the state uh, title team. Glenn Watson. Yeah. McCamey. That's, 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 that's hard. They weren't. Yeah, it's an interesting uh, one. For sure. I feel like we're probably forgetting someone, but that's going to have to uh, to do for now. As I, I'm just staring at this thinking of names. <laughs> no shot clock podcast research. We don't have a research department. Yeah. It would help. We could hire some we just researchers. Not have the time. Okay, now we have the issue of someone is calling me, so I cannot look at the questions on my phone. So, uh, um all right, it's done. This is this is great. Okay, next one up. Oh yeah, our dream dream semis for the Chipotle Clash, Joe. I mean, I feel like. Oh, well, I, I need the brackets first. So. Do we wait? Cause we're gonna have so much Chipotle Classic. Yeah, next week talk. we'll preview the thing. Yeah, we're gonna have too much Chipotle Classic talk next week. So, uh, Nick T, we'll, we'll wait and we'll complain about it when we see it and give what our dream would have been <laughs> if uh, if they're not what yeah. we want. Um, next question was from a. Those should be out Sunday night, by the way. Yes. The pairings. That's exciting. It might have to be Sunday night's messed up because there's games late now. Um, uh, Nerdy Caveman on Twitter wants to know if the area high schools could hold a non-IHSA tournament to decide the champion. He knows the logistics would be crazy. Um, The answer to that, Nerdy Caveman, is no, because these aren't um, IHSA rules that are being set there. 
Illinois Department of Public Health rules. And, yeah, so. I mean, I don't know what the punishment is. <laughs> yeah, how it would be stopped. You know, I don't know if Governor Pritzker's going to send the National Guard into a... Well, we just went through a bunch of schools that can't play out their league, so... <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't think, yeah. I don't think that's happening. All right, uh, that's going to do it um, on the mailbag. Joe, are you uh, fired up and ready for one of your two takes? Yeah, I got two takes. One, I'm going to continue a little bit of my Twitter take from a week ago where I asked, rather politely as I look back, is it too hard to type in a kid's player's name into a tweet rather than the Twitter handle where 70% of the time you don't even know who the kid is? That was last week. This week, uh, I may even be a little bit more demonstrative in my take. And I, I just, my goodness, Mike, every single player isn't the greatest, the most overlooked. Every player isn't a Division One player. Every player doesn't pass it well. Every player doesn't shoot it well, rebound it well, defend well. I know this is a common theme in these days of social media, but the amount of Twitterness, uh, regarding every kid, no matter what the level they are. And the reason why I'm noticing it, Mike, first of all, I'm not the biggest tweeter. Anybody notices? I mean, there, there are games I go to, I don't even tweet from. You know, if it's a bad, boring game or mostly when I'm evaluating a player or players and they don't do anything worth tweeting about, I don't tweet about them. So, but I've noticed this trend of getting more phone calls and texts from college coaches asking me about kids who, like, no, no, they're not even in the same stratosphere of, you know, this kid, I don't know. It'd be like a, a Kansas asking me about a Division Two player because, or as an example, just hey, I heard this kid's going off. I'm reading this on Twitter. He's blowing up on Twitter. <laughs> like no, and another call. Hey, Joe, is this kid worth checking? I mean, no. It's just like I, and I just noticing this in the last year or two more so than anything, and and then I kind of waste my time talking about it and so i it's just crazy how much is on social media about how good and and, and talented everyone is and uh, i'll even be at games where people are tweeting about games and i can't even figure out am i at the same game uh so yeah i just no point in it other than a continued twitter tantrum on my end of eh I guess I should just stay off Twitter more so, but yeah, I think part of the issue is, um, it's difficult to be, well, I mean, a lot of people, there's no point for them to be, to have any constructive criticism or to be any negative or to, all they want to do is hype things up. I think that's yeah, the and majority I, I, of it. I get um, that. Yeah. I, I don't tweet out negative things. All my negatives are in my scouting reports that go to college coaches and they read. I don't put it out publicly. I just, it's just, I don't know. It's just this constant. And then, or DMing me or texting me. And it's just, Oh, I don't know. I just, I'm exhausted of, of everybody's awesome. There are ways to do it. Obviously I don't want, I don't, tweet out negative things about a kid but you can just like you know give the shooting stats <laughs> you know or mention yeah. that a team isn't you know i try to anybody who follows me on twitter knows that you can kind of tell when i'm telling you somebody didn't have a very good game or a very good half without you know like putting them on blast you know just saying what happened and there well, isn't much of that unfortunately well, and the other thing is you're different as well in terms of and again i'm not to be honest, I mean, not just because we're sitting here talking, but I'm not really including you because <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're covering the, it's just a different, you're like a journalist, a writer covering the game. It, it's just a little different. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause I don't I care mean, about how they're going to play in three yeah, years in yeah, college at all. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, uh, it's just across the board from, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, it's me whining and complaining. I know. And people are going to say, Oh, Joe, get over it. But, it's, I just, it's just this trend that I've continued to kind of see and deal with, with, 
with Joe. I never even heard you mention this kid. I go, I didn't because he's really not that good. But he just did this, 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 and this. Go, yeah. Or, or, or he's described. He's, is he this? Is he this? No, not really. So anyway. It's just going to get worse, Joe. You wait in three weeks, they'll be playing club basketball, and I'm going to have to hear how much better everybody is. <laughs> yeah, well, that happens often as well. Uh, and, and that's where it starts, to be honest. Yeah. I know AAU people will jump down my throat and, but I mean, that's, that's a little bit of the problem. They just have to hype their guys. They have to get their names out. Uh, instead of just letting the, the natural course. And I tell this to parents. I tell this to everybody. More or less, almost all of the time, I would say, I don't know what the percentage is, 90 something kids end up being recruited at the level that they should be. It may not start that way. Somebody might be recruited at a higher level and end up way low, but that's probably where they end up. That's where they should be or vice versa. Just let it play out, you know, have fun with it. Yes. I mean, you can pump a kid up. I get it. That's fine. I, I just. It just seems so over the top lately, and and if you're not doing it, you're doing a disservice to the the kid. And it all works out; it all happens and plays itself out. My right, take go is going to be on uh, Curie. Watched Simeon and Curie uh, season opener for both teams. Got to Curie, and Mike Oliver informed me that Nick Owens had hurt his thumb, I think it was, and wasn't going to be playing. Might be out for a while. And then he looked at me, and I forget what he said exactly, but um, Mike's the kind of guy that usually thinks he should be ranked higher and generally thinks he's going to win. Mike did not think he should be ranked higher, <laughs> maybe for the first time ever. Um, so I was... Really? Yeah. Um, so Mike really wanted to be in the Chipotle Classic. <laughs> yeah, I think that's when he thought he had a healthy Nick Owens. Um, but yeah, without his only returning starter and point guard, <laughs> he was l- much less confident that afternoon as Simeon was warming up next to him, which hard to blame him. And I walked away over to the table and I was thinking, oh, wow, this might be a blowout. I didn't, you know, I didn't know, really know what to expect from Kiri, but this could be, this could get ugly. And, um, it was the opposite. Kiri came out, um, you know, they were down by eight af- after the first quarter, but led by one at halftime. All these kids that I'd barely seen play, some that I'd never seen play, out there in their, a lot of them, their varsity debuts, definitely starting against a number one ranked Simeon team, and they they were tremendous. Uh, Phoenix Bullock, he's a 6'2 junior. Cassius Brooks, a six foot senior, kind of the two I really knew nothing about, and in a lot of ways they were the heart of the team, and. It was just kind of shocking to I me. Mean, you don't see that, especially in high-level public league basketball. Two guys come out of nowhere like that from the program and play so well. Um, Jeremy Harrington, a 6'5 sophomore. The people had heard about, he played well. But the big revelation was Reggie Ward, uh, a 6'7 senior. You know, he looked like uh, the Curie Big from last year that came. Uh, I've already forgotten his name. Um, but, yeah, Curie has it all. Again, uh, two freshmen played really well. Carlos Harris, a 6'2 freshman guard. You would never have in a million years, looking at his body or watching him play, thought that was his first ever high school game, which it was. He was very impressive, and it will wind up being a real top prospect. He, he He's going to be a good college player, I'm sure. And then Tavion Collier, he's a 6'6 freshman. He's Cliff Alexander's younger brother. He didn't play a ton, but he got in pretty early um, and scored a couple buckets. Um, you can tell what kind of a player he's going to be. Overall, though, they they were just so much more cohesive of a team and, and just so much better than I would have expected. And I thought they should have won the game, frankly. They had a nine-point lead after three quarters. They were up by 11 early in the fourth quarter. Simeon kind of poured it on uh, in just a little run there and took over. And before you knew it, it was gone. And it was a lot of bad turnovers. All of a sudden, these kids... They panicked a little bit at the end when they had a chance to, you know, make it close again. You know, they're getting charges and all that kind of stuff. I think if Curie could have gone back and maybe kind of reset a bit, Nick Owens would have helped clearly. I think they would have won the game if Nick Owens was out there. So, yeah, a super interesting Curie team. I don't think we're going to see a ton of them this year. You know, they're going to play their conference games. I think they're hosting Collins, who has a really good freshman that just got a DePaul offer that I've heard good things about um, next week. Uh, they might play King as well. I think they might be over here to Clemente. I might try to go check that out again. But I definitely think Curie was worth mentioning. This team would have been a fascinating team 
to see evolve. I know we keep saying that, but this is another one to see them evolve over the course of the season and what they might have become. I mean, I, I don't think they would have reached the, the heights of the last two years, but they would have come a lot closer than I expected for sure. Yeah. And with that, you, you can help me on my second take a little bit because I've now seen every team that you would be considered among the best in our, in the Chicago area, except for that team, Curie. Uh, so you, but my take is this after seeing them all, you know, I've seen every single team at least once and seeing them in a, um, a situation where, you know, that was that first game, Simeon, against Curie, right? Yeah. So I, you got to take that into grain of salt too. I, I just think Simeon and Young are without question the two best teams. I, I'm not saying they can't lose in that Chipotle Classic. Uh, I, you know, on paper, they're the most talented. And now after watching them play, not only do I think they're the best teams, they have the biggest room for growth as, as a, as a team, uh, which sets them apart, you know, in a normal season. And I mean, Simeon's play how many games, Mike? Um, three, four, two. two? So, I mean, it, it's, you know, I watched the one with Kenwood and I was a little worried in the very beginning. I'm like, Oh, I mean, Kenwood as expected was fired up. They, uh, they, they play with that similar energy that Nick Urban's teams play. Mike Urban now is a coach at Kenwood and built a nice little lead where, where, where quicker to the ball. All, all that looked like it was going Kenwood's way and it was going to be a game that I thought no way Kenwood would win. And I really did think, wow, Simeon could be an interesting trouble, but I love the way that Simeon responded and they came back, climbed back, won that game by 10 or 11. You know, Young, I watched Young then that same night against St. Rita. Uh, and St. Rita, that was, I've seen St. Rita three times now. That was the best I've seen St. Rita play in the three games I've seen them play. So Young got a little test and, and they, Rita kept it close. But again, Young responded. The talent level of those two programs and their upside to me in a normal year would have screamed them being above and beyond all these really good teams we're talking about. Now I say that not having seen the Notre Dame that I expected to see as of yet, because I thought they would be right there. I thought those would be the three best teams. Uh, and then a kind of a next little small group after that, the DePaul, uh, Evanston's that group, Mundelein. But right now, Simeon and Young are the two best teams in, in Illinois. The um <clears throat> the young domination of Homewood Flossmore. That shocked me. I didn't yeah. see that game, yeah. but I watched HF to interrupt you, sorry. Uh Tuesday against Bolingbrook. Like I think they played then either the next night or Thursday night. I whatever. Yeah. A night or two later. I was like, you know, I wasn't blown away by HF, but I was like, okay, this is a nice team with some senior guards who have some young guys that are gonna get better. They're not there yet, but Quality team, young will take care of them, but to see that score, yeah, I was, I was shocked. Yeah. And it's not like young traditionally has some great home court advantage. You know what I mean? That, that's not like a, a scary right. place to go play generally for people. They just, you know, they don't always have a huge, it's just, I don't know. It's not a fortress or anything for that HF had to go into. So yeah, that was really surprising. More surprising. So for me, cause I was still on the fence a little bit about young that, that clearly wasn't the team I saw against Mount Carmel, you know, mm. and watched on another stream once. Um, I mean, I think. I definitely agree that they're the deep, they're so deep, Simeon and Young. You know, it's, I mean, I made the comment during the Curie game that Simeon's second five would clearly be a Super 25 team. And I believe that str strongly. Um, I don't know. I still think they're both really figuring it out, though. No, they are. You know, I it's, mean, because of it's so early. I yeah. agree. Uh, uh, I just, I'm taking it all in, in, uh, in this. <laughs> whatever we call it, this season of trying to figure out things quickly. And, you know, those teams, I'm just saying, if this was November or December, you'd be like, okay, these two teams are going to be 
off the charts by March and, and be really tough to beat in the postseason in a normal season. That's the type of upside potential. I mean, Young's size and length is, is, I mean, when you go Grant Newell, Xavier Amos, who was terrific the other night, the, you know, you know, overlooked junior right now that nobody really knows too much about. And then of course, AJ Casey, you're going six, eight, six, seven, six, seven, or six, eight. You know, that's some tremendous length and size that people are really going to have to contend with. And they put those three on the floor together at times. Yeah. I mean, I think I can see Simeon like that. I'm just still not sure. I mean, Young had real trouble with Westinghouse last night. You, you know, I'm just not sure that backcourt is there yet. I don't know if Dalen Davis played because he did not play against, um, yeah, he had a, he got injured. He fell hard uh, in the previous game and was out. So I'm as, I'm assuming he didn't play because he you know he didn't play against Sarita. Um, and that's a huge and, loss. Yeah. Oh, huge. I mean, you, you you can't talk about. You know, I know what you're saying, but you can't talk about Young's backcourt without. If you really take him out of the equation, that's really, you know, I, I'm anticipating he's going to be. It doesn't sound like it's going to be a long term, long lasting thing. Just kind of a bump we bruise. Only, we only have two weeks. Yeah, that, 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 that's he should be ready to go soon, okay. sooner than later. I hope so because, yeah, otherwise it would be very sad. Um, yeah, the Simeon game. I watched the Kenwood one on the stream, and it was very similar to the Curie game. You know, where they just kind of stepped up at the end. Um, I just I, sometimes I get a little worried when I see Simeon teams that who's going to score seems like a more of a social problem than a basketball problem. You know what I'm saying? It's like they can all do it at any point. It's just like who's going to. And they spent a lot of the game not knowing who was going to, and then at the end they figured it out. Well, and Jalen Drain played really good. Uh, He's grown, huh? Yeah. He made shots. Um, Yeah. uh, Yeah, he he looked the part um, in that Kenwood game. And that was, as expected, just this – I mean, it was the cleanest game, and I, I didn't keep track of turnovers. I wish Mike was there because he would have had turnovers, right? You take your tur- turnovers? Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, Ken would have had to have 20-plus. Um, I mean, they threw the ball over the gym, but that, that, <laughs> yeah. that, 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 that's a, a, you know, and it's a sophomore-dominated, talented team that's going to be a top five, top ten team next year. Yeah, it's going to go right into my next, but I do want to mention that six foot three Jalen Drain that's a game changer for me. I was, I kind of loved his game when he was smaller, but now that he's get you know, got some decent size, boy, look out. He's going to be a heck of a player. Um, yeah, I wanted to talk about Kenwood and JJ Taylor. I had not ever had a really long look at JJ Taylor. He's a uh, six, eight sophomore. He's the younger brother of Steve Taylor, who a lot of you might remember, uh, that won a state title at Simeon. And, uh, I forget the name now of his other brother. He played football at Michigan State, uh, played football at Julian. So a lot going on there. I'd heard all the talk. I'd seen some of the highlight videos. I'd seen brief stretches last season, but he didn't really play much at all in the second half on varsity um, for Morgan Park last year. So my first real long look at J.J. Taylor was at Clemente live. I got to walk over. That was exciting. He had a fantastic game. Then I watched the stream, you know, as I just said, with Simeon. And I am very happy. Um, he is – much better than I, I don't know what my opinion, I don't know what I thought, you know, I, I just, I knew he was supposed to be the one or two guy in the class, nothing I'd seen out of him had super excited me, I thought he might have been, you know, one of those guys that, you know, he's the biggest kid, and that's going to be that, well, that's not the case at all, you know, he's he's a guard, pretty much, out there, and yeah, I was really excited, he's going to be super fun to watch for the next two seasons at Kenwood, like you said, that team's got, you know, the three very talented sophomores, a couple good juniors, they're going to be a lot of fun next year, but J.J. Taylor, wow, I'm impressed, a uh, prominent high school coach, shall we say, that has been watching both of them for a long time, thinks he's for sure going to be better than A.J. Casey, which... That's saying a lot. So, yeah, very excited about J.J. Taylor. He's going to be, I think, the city's star next year. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I had to take that in because the schedule they were playing, the numbers and the blowouts, and you just, they're a little bit, you know, you take it yeah. in for what it is. But, uh, and and he, he did, he, first of all, yeah, he, he is off the charts talented. There is no question. He's still figuring out how to, uh, to play, you know, how to, uh, impact a game, um, in different ways as well. But his, 
you know, as an evaluator and talent person and scouting service guy, you talk about upside and high ceiling. I mean, that kid, it's through the roof. And, you know, he had just those special moments against Simeon. Overall, he, he had some turnovers and, you know, it didn't impact as, as much as he, you know, probably will as he learns and matures as a player and figures it out. Uh, but the talent is, is off the charts. He's, he is an electric talent, high major talent with the physical, physical attributes and the combination of skill level that, that screams high major and, and why he's ranked, ranked as the number one prospect in that class. And right now there's no, you know, there's nobody who's close to surpassing him in that class. Uh, it's, it's JJ Taylor and everyone else as a prospect in that class of 2023. Yeah. Exciting. Yeah. One of the, I needed to see that. It, it was good. He was fun to talk to after the game too. Uh, his brother, Steve was one of the more personable and kind of exciting quotes <laughs> over the years. I always really enjoyed interviewing him. So it was fun to see that JJ, I think, uh, it's going to be that way too. Although Joe, when you mentioned sophomores, I got to tell you uh, a young man that I saw on, um, Oh, what night was that? I can't remember anything. Monday, Tuesday night in Joliet has grown a few inches. I don't know if he's going to well, li- wind up back at Joliet West, but Jeremy Fears if Jr. He yeah. gets back. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, he's yeah. nearly my size. I think he's about six three. Wow. Yeah. I mean, he, he would be right there. That, you know, I, I've been a little down on, well, everybody knows I've been down on Illinois talent overall in recent years and, 2021, this year's seniors and 2022, next year's juniors. And I, I've got hope that 2023 is, well, if we get some of these kids back, I mean, if, the, if COVID didn't hit and the, some of the players did not leave that left. Yeah. One of the storylines of this season in this shortened season would be right now. It'd be a, it'd be a take. It'd be something. Hey, Mike, this 2023 class is got a chance to be really special. Uh, our first really good group, it, it just like the Fierce kid, the kid from Hinsdale Central. Hey, those are high major players. Yeah, Dalen uh, Davis. Yeah, yeah. It, it's Christie and Asa Thomas and it, oh boy, he was good, Joe. Yeah, we didn't talk about that. You know, I'd only seen him once the freshman year, and he was all right. But yeah, I was. He had a great first half at St. Pat's, and he's grown a ton. Oh, uh, he's he's yeah. like Kyle Corver. Yeah, Asa Thomas was fun. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. So that class, I've got high hopes, especially if a kid or two were to move back in normal times. Fingers crossed, we get at least one of those. That's for sure. All right, I gotta get my uh, my butt over to Brooks. They <laughs> changed the game time to five o'clock, and Chicago traffic. Who the hell knows when I'll get there? So quickly, um, tonight it's Friday night. I'm gonna be at DePaul Fenwick, um, St. Rita Loyola. Loyola, look out, man! They are uh, on the literal war path the last week. <laughs> And they play some good teams coming up so they could spring some more upsets. It's quite a week for Loyola. They've got Notre Dame on Saturday. And, oh, geez, I guess they won't have Mount Carmel on Monday. So, well, they get two big games at least. Oh, and then Fenwick on Wednesday. So, yeah, Loyola seems to be really hitting on all the right cylinders right now based on their scores and you know, what they're pulling off. They just beat DePaul Prep, and now they're going to play, like, three ranked teams. So, look out. Who knows where Loyola could be ranked by uh, this time next podcast. Uh, we've got the Evanston New Trier doubleheader this weekend. Uh, well, Bonzi Valley at DeKalb. Can DeKalb stay undefeated? I gotta get out and see DeKalb. They're on my list. Um, Lincoln Park at Lane should be a good one in the public league. Westinghouse at North Lawndale. Didn't get a chance to talk about them. Um, hopefully next week. Public league's gonna be around a week longer, so we can talk about them some more later. Saturday, Fenwick. Oh, geez. We don't have Fenwick at Mount Carmel. Okay. St. Charles North at Geneva. I think I'm going to head over there that night to see that one. And I'm pretty excited to see Lincoln Park at Westinghouse, Saturday at 11.30 a.m. Kind of strange time for the, those public league matchups, but I think Westinghouse is a little better than all of us realize. And Lincoln Park has Sincere Malone, which I thought he'd left um, the state. He's a really good player. He started at Simeon, was at Corliss, had a big night in Lincoln Park's first game. So they're a team, you know, with Julio Montes and him, that's a really nice, you know, kind of, group there um loyal and Notre Dame we already talked about the West Suburban Tournament is also Saturday it starts we'll see if Glenbard West can keep uh, rolling through all that 
Sunday, we do not have Rita Mount Carmel. Wow, Mount Carmel was going to play Fenwick, Rita, and Loyola in a, mm. a three-day period, and those games have now all been scratched. Uh, we do have, I think, once again, that uh, Duquesne uh, rivalry thing on Sunday, Geneva, Batavia, and St. Charles East against St. Charles North. And then Monday should be a fun one. Brother Rice at DePaul, and then DeKalb, Niqua Valley. So I guess DeKalb has two big tests for that undefeated record. In the next few days, the Wabanzi and Niqua. So we'll see how that goes. And that Brother Rice game, I mean, that's a team we haven't talked about. No. Well, they or were my take. I, I mean, I yeah, I, I guess I talked about in terms of, I mean, they might win the Catholic League. Yeah, they've, they've overcome <laughs> that take for I mean, sure. They're, they're 8 0 and 9 0 overall. That showdown with DePaul, I think you said, was that Monday, Monday night? Yeah, Monday night. That could decide the Catholic League. I mean, how bad is that going to be for old gold Chipotle classic? Brother Rice wins it and Fenwick and DePaul are playing in the tournament. Seriously. And you know, I'm not going to, you could probably rewind and listen. I was impressed with Brother Rice and thought they were definitely, you know, kind of a 20 to 25 ranked team. I did not see this coming. They have uh, definitely proven to be better than I thought. Man, the job Bobby Frazier is doing over there. Um, it's pretty impressive. And I think we'll go till Tuesday here. We got Niqua versus Wabonzi. Um, Marist versus Bennett. You going, which... you going back to that game? No, I will not. I, I think I got to go out and see DeKalb though. So I think I'm going to have to, I might see Niqua again. I might see him on Monday because I, I need to see, I can't have a, a major conference team be undefeated even in a short season and not see them. It's bothering me. Um, some showdowns in the MSL. Barrington Fremd rematch. Schomburg Palatine. Hyde Park is at Curie. Kenwood is at Bogan, Thornton is at Kankakee, and this big one on Tuesday night, Simeon at HF. There is always something special about when Simeon travels to the south suburbs. I've always felt that way. I think ever since Derrick Rose's first uh, game in the suburbs against TF North, it just, I guess it won't be bringing out a crowd, but it could, and it's always exciting. That game's at 7.30. That's going to be, I think, one of the better games of the year. It should be fun. Yeah. All right. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We will be back next week with a, uh, probably a heavy Chipotle classic, heavy on the, uh, <laughs> guacamole and sour cream, uh, podcast. Uh, we'll, we'll dive into that bracket. It'll be, it'll be fun to have a bracket to look at. We haven't, it's the only one we have, right? Uh, <laughs> see you next week.